I promise you in today's English lesson, all 50 of the English phrases and idioms I'm going to teach you are ones that I actually use in my English conversations and they'll help you upgrade your English to sound more like a native speaker or like myself. As always, make sure to use the link below in the description to download a free PDF that will guide you to the definitions of this list of idioms and it will also include a quick quiz. My name's Kayla, I'm an American English teacher. Make sure you visit EnglishWithKayla.com to learn more natural phrases, just like the ones in this video. Now, let's get started with 50 English idioms. Buckle in. Has anyone ever told you to buckle in? Maybe you were inside of a car, but if someone tells you to buckle in and you're not in a car, they're not talking about your seatbelt, they're telling you to get prepared to do something that's very difficult or challenging. When I took biology in college, at the beginning of the semester, my professor told me to buckle in and I had to study so much for that class, it was so difficult. So he was telling me to prepare for a difficult semester of a course. When someone keeps just talking and talking and talking and you want them to get to the point, the main point that you need to know, you might want to say, cut to the chase. Now this idiom means get to the main point, stop rambling. But you gotta be careful with this idiom because it can be a little bit blunt and rude, especially if someone you know cares a lot about what they're talking about, but you just want them to get to the point. You just have to say, cut to the chase now. When you want to say that someone has thought of all the details of something and they haven't forgotten anything, you can say that they thought of the whole nine yards. Now this is a very strange phrase because in the United States we usually use measurements of 10, but I guess in this phrase we're saying the whole nine yards and pretty much all native speakers would know what you're talking about when you use this phrase. People in the United States go all out planning weddings sometimes. So they think of where they want to have the wedding, what it will look like, what food they'll serve the guests, what desserts they'll be, the whole nine yards. This just means they think of all the details. Speaking of weddings, they can really cost an arm and a leg. Now this is a very old classic idiom, but it's still very common to use today. If you say that something costs an arm and a leg, it means it's very, very expensive. A wedding can cost an arm and a leg. Now, I'm an English teacher, but if you ask me, do British people say this phrase a lot? I will tell you, you are barking up the wrong tree. This phrase, to bark up the wrong tree, it means that you're pursuing the wrong thing. You have made a mistake in thinking that I would know what British people commonly say, but I've never been to the UK. I've only met a handful of British people in real life. In the United States, of course, I've seen many online, but I would not know what they say, so you're just barking up the wrong tree. So when you make a mistake, when you inquire with the wrong person about something, you might be barking up the wrong tree. And of course, I think this idiom comes from the idea that dogs love to chase squirrels up trees, and if they're looking at the wrong tree and the squirrel's not there, they're, they're barking up the wrong tree. They're trying the wrong thing. The most common idiom to say that someone is sick in English is to say that they are feeling under the weather. Or you can simply just say, Kayla is under the weather today. That means that she's sick. And yes, I'm talking about myself in third person here. 
There are, of course, other idioms to say that someone is sick, but this is the main one that I want you to remember. And it's a very kind way to say that someone's sick without giving too many details. And typically, we only use this phrase if someone is just going to be sick for one or two days. They just have a small flu or a small cold. Now, if someone is very sick, maybe they have cancer or another disease, you would not use this idiom under the weather. You would just say, you know, they have a disease or they have an illness. If you want to say that something is very common and easy to come by, you can describe it as a dime a dozen. I think of this idiom describing cards. So people collect baseball cards, football cards, and Pokemon cards. There's all sorts of cards that people collect. And the idea to collecting these cards is you buy a pack and you open it and you hope to get some rare card, but typically you just get the common cards that are a dime a dozen. So this is the idea that you could just buy, you know, these cards, a dozen of them, 12, for a dime, which is very inexpensive. So if you want to say that something is just generally very common, very cheap, very easy to find, you can say it's a dime a dozen. Now this idiom is very commonly heard in the United States, especially on television shows and in movies, but I don't personally say it a lot, so you should know what it is because you'll hear it frequently. The idiom is cat got your tongue. If you want to question why someone is being silent or maybe you think that they don't have a response because they're feeling sort of guilty, you can say, cat got your tongue. And this is a very sassy way of saying like, why aren't you speaking? Do you feel guilty? Do you feel bad? So I think this is why you'll hear this on a lot of television shows and movies because people are being very dramatic in these situations. If you need to say that there has to be two people involved to either solve a problem or cause a problem, you can say it takes two to tango. And the tango, of course, is a very popular dance that takes two people to do. And we use this idiom to say, you know, it takes two people to do something. So I have two children and if they are doing something and they're kind of getting in trouble, maybe one says it wasn't me, I'll say, takes two to tango. This means that it takes two of you to get in trouble together. You are both guilty. So you could also say this to someone if you need their help. If you need the assistance of another person, you could say, well, it takes two to tango, get over here and help me. It's kind of a funny phrase and it's used definitely more casually. If you are very tough and you like working out and exercising in the gym, I think that you'll like this next idiom or very common phrase. The phrase is no pain, no gain. So quite literally when you're exercising, you know, of course you're going to be sore after exercising very hard, maybe you lifted really heavy weights and your muscles need a few days to recover. If you're sore and you have pain, you're probably going to gain a lot of muscle. Now this idiom can also be used in situations where it just takes really hard work to do something. Like maybe you are taking a long time to finish a paper for school. You're working very hard, it's kind of unpleasant, but no pain, no gain. So that means if you don't work hard and make sacrifices, you're not going to have gains or, you know, successes. When you want to say that someone needs to confront a fear by doing something that they're scared of, you should tell them to take the bull by the horns. Now, this is the idea that quite literally, if, if you're afraid of a bull, 
they have horns on their head and you know you could grab them and try to ride the bull but this is obviously used very figuratively very idiomatically let's say you're afraid of public speaking but you sign up for a speech class you are really taking the bull by the horns you're facing your fears this next phrase is so common i use it all of the time when you're talking about someone and they enter the room and you were not expecting them to come into the room and you want to say you know i was just talking about you it's more common to say oh, speak of the devil now you might see this as kind of rude but it's just so common here to say speak of the devil and i think the full phrase is speak of the devil and they will appear. So you're you're talking about this person and they come into the room unexpectedly, you can use this phrase. If you want to say that something is impossible to believe without actually seeing it for yourself, you can say the phrase seeing is believing. So I had a friend that had never been to New York City and they said, "I don't think it would be that great to ride the subway each day. Like, I don't think it would work very well." I could say to them, well, seeing is believing. Once you see it, you'll believe it because the public transportation in New York City is much better than anywhere else in the United States. So if you go see it for yourself, you'll understand what people are talking about. Instead of just telling someone to give up on something, you can say that they should just throw in the towel. So in fighting, if the fighter is getting, you know, too weak and you can tell that they should not be fighting anymore, your team or your coach will throw a white towel. That means you guys give up or surrender. So this phrase comes from that idea. If you give up on something, you can say, well, I'm just going to throw in the towel. When I was a kid, I really hated playing basketball at first. My first few seasons, I was really terrible. I didn't find it fun. And I just said, I want to just throw in the towel. But my mom wouldn't let me quit in the middle of the season. So I couldn't just throw in the towel. I had to keep going. But I actually ended up really liking basketball. And I played basketball for many more years after that. So I'm glad that she didn't just let me throw in the towel. If someone is being very stubborn and not changing their stance on something or they won't change their idea very easily, then you can say that they really are putting their foot down about something. When my kids watch TV, I'll say, okay, after one episode, we're turning the TV off and I'm putting my foot down about that. That means I'm going to be very firm, very stubborn about it. There's no more asking, hey, can we watch one more episode? Because I think too much TV turns my children into, I don't know, just kind of crazy kids. So I put my foot down about that. I'm very strict about it. So in the United States, the Kansas City Chiefs just won the Super Bowl. Now, when a sports team here gets really good, they get really popular, and a lot of people start to become fans, or they jump on the bandwagon. This just means that when something becomes popular, then you become a fan of it. And typically when someone in the United States is a fan of a team only because they're doing well, we call them a bandwagon fan. That means they're not a true fan. They weren't a fan of the team when they were doing bad, only when they're doing good. And you can use this idiom to jump on the bandwagon when talking about other popular things, not just sports. If you're giving a presentation or a speech and something is happening in the crowd, but you just ignore it and you keep going, you could say that you didn't miss a beat during your speech or during your presentation. We say this to someone when they just continue on without being distracted by something. So typically we use this idiom to give a compliment like even though there was a distraction, you didn't miss a beat, you just kept going. 
One of my favorite ways to say that you're going to change your direction or you're going to change your approach to something when you're having a problem is to say, wow, you really flipped the script. So let's say you are a teacher and you have a student in your class that is failing the class, they're doing really terribly, and suddenly they start studying, they start showing up to class, asking a lot of questions, you could say to that student, wow, you really flipped the script, your grade is turning around and you're really trying now. So this idiom, to flip the script, it means to just change your approach, change your direction, or even just changing your attitude. When you talk to people who are engineers, they're very smart, they're very passionate about what they're doing, but sometimes when you talk to them, they can really just get into the weeds on the topic. And if you're not knowledgeable about their type of engineering, let's say they're a computer engineer, well, you're not going to know what they're talking about and you're going to say, all right, you're getting a little bit into the weeds. This means you're talking about really small technical details and I don't need to know all that because I don't understand it. So if you want to tell someone just to keep the conversation very general or you know, very understandable for you, you can say, hey, we don't need to get into the weeds here. If you are romantically interested in someone, we usually say that's your crush, and you're finally going to ask them out on a date or tell them that you like them, you could say you're finally going to make a move. So this idiom is used, you know, for love and dating, but you can also just use it whenever you're going to finally do something, some, take some big action on something that you've been waiting to do. You're finally going to make a move. Instead of telling someone to keep something in mind, which is also kind of an idiom, a lot of people will say, bear in mind. This is one of my husband's favorite phrases. He uses it all of the time, so I have to teach it to you. If you want to tell someone a story, but you also need them to remember a detail for the story to make sense, you'll use this phrase. Let me show you. Yesterday, I took my kids outside to play in the snow. Bear in mind, it was freezing cold, so I didn't stay out there for very long. So instead of just telling you a story about playing with my kids outside in the snow, I need you to bear in mind or remember that it was very cold because it was pretty unpleasant to be outside, even though my kids did not care, they were having so much fun. When you first learn English, of course, you'll just learn basic sentences, basic verbs, basic nouns, basic greetings, but down the road, you'll need to know a ton of new idioms and advanced phrases. So this phrase, down the road, it means that later, in the future. It's very common to say, hey, down the road, you'll need to do this. That means in the future, you'll need to do this. And it's kind of like thinking about like driving, your future is down the road. Before we had iPhones, of course, we only had just regular phones and some people just had a home phone. But once we had iPhones, it was a total game changer to our entire life. So this phrase, a game changer, it's used to describe something that either really positively impacts things or, you know, it kind of throws a big challenge for things. It's some detail that either changes things for the good or for the bad. In the case of iPhones, you could argue that it was a positive game changer because now we can communicate so easily, but you could also say it's a negative game changer because people spend too much time on their smartphones. So use this phrase, game changer. It's a really good one. One thing that I say to myself when I feel stressed out, when I feel, you know, just kind of sad or angry, but I need to just focus on what I'm doing, I say, get it together, get it together, Kayla. This means just, you know, calm yourself down, 
relax, you need to do some work, you need to get things done. So you need to be careful using this phrase with other people, you know, because people can be very fragile in their emotions and you need to, of course, be like, are you okay? But when someone needs to just focus, get their work done, even though they're sad or stressed out, you could say, hey, you need to get it together. This means, you know, figure out your emotions, try to calm down. If you want to say that something happened quicker than you expected or happened, you know, very fast, you could say before you knew it or before you know it. So I always thought it would take so long to become a teacher, but before you knew it, I had my own classroom and I had my own students. And then before I knew it, I was an online English teacher. So life just moves really fast. It means that even though things can feel like a long time, you know, the time passes quickly and before you know it, you're old. It's really important when you're making a deal with someone, especially if the deal seems really good for you to ask, what's the catch? Or you could say, there has to be a catch. So in this case, when we say there's a catch, it means there's something that's unexpected that will actually make the deal very difficult or very bad for you. And it's usually something that's very hidden. So sometimes in the United States, you'll see very good deals advertised for brand new cars. But the catch is that you're going to have to pay a lot of interest on your car payments. So the car is actually going to cost a lot more than you expect. There's always a catch when a deal seems too good. That means there's always something hidden that you will have to do that makes it challenging. My favorite idiom to say that two people or two things go along very well together is to say they're like two peas in a pod. And this is typically used just for people. If you think that, you know, your friends who are boyfriend and girlfriend just they work very well together, they're good friends, they're good in their relationship, you could say, oh, you two are just two peas in a pod. It's just a very cute phrase that means you go along together very well. One thing that's really common on American television is home remodeling. So they take somebody's house or a room in their house that's pretty ugly, pretty basic, and they actually transform it into a beautiful new room. Now they show the new room to the person who owns the house and the person always says, oh, I can't believe my eyes. Or, you know, they're just saying, I cannot believe it because it's so great. And also you could use this phrase if something was really bad. Oh, I can't believe my eyes, how bad it is. If you want to say this phrase to someone else, you'll say, can you believe your eyes? That means it's either really good or really bad. Of course, there's a lot of context to this phrase that's needed, but it's very common to say when something is, you know, astonishing, you can't believe it. The next two phrases are very common to say that you have two difficult choices and you don't even really want to choose between the two, but you have to choose. So the first phrase is to say, I'm between a rock and a hard place. And the second phrase is I have to choose between two evils. These are both very common phrases to use when you have to make a choice, but you don't really want to choose either option. So maybe your mother and your girlfriend both want to spend time with you. And if you say no to your mom, you're going to disappoint your girlfriend. And if you say no to your girlfriend, you're going to disappoint your mom. So you could say, I'm between a rock and a hard place. Now you wouldn't really say I have to choose between two evils because in this case, you know, both choices are okay, but you're just going to disappoint someone. If you have two bad choices, 
that, you know, are going to have bad implications for people, you have to say, I have to choose between two evils. When you want to say that someone is telling a story but not giving you a lot of detail, you can say, wow, you're leaving a lot to the imagination here. This means you're not giving enough detail and I'm just imagining a lot of crazy things. Now, if someone is giving you too much detail, you can either say that's TMI or too much information or you could say that's not leaving much to the imagination here. So it just means that you're giving way too much personal information about the situation. So a lot of times when people are telling really long stories, instead of saying, you know, the ending, they'll just say, well, and the rest is history. This means that you can kind of guess what's going to happen in the story because, you know, it's so well known. For instance, in Cinderella, you know, the prince and Cinderella get married and the rest is history. That means they just went on to live happy lives. I'm not going to tell you the rest of their lives because that would be a long and just boring story. So you hear this at the end of stories or the end of movies in the United States. The rest is history. That means you can pretty much guess what happened. So in the United States, there was actually a show for a while about an Asian American family. They had immigrated to the United States and the show was called Fresh Off the Boat. Now, I feel like this could be pretty insulting to say to someone like, oh, you're fresh off the boat. But I've heard people who have immigrated to the United States say this in a joking manner, like, oh, I was fresh off the boat. This just means I had just come to the United States or come to wherever and I hadn't acclimated yet. I hadn't gotten used to everything yet. I hadn't learned the language. And of course, this phrase is not so literal. People are not actually coming to the United States on boats very frequently anymore. Most people fly, but it's just kind of a funny joking phrase that's used to say, I came here and I was not used to everything yet. I was very fresh, fresh off the boat. If you want to tell someone that something is impossible and not worth doing, you can say, don't even bother. It just means that something is just going to be too challenging or not worth the effort. So if you think that you need to learn every single word in the English language, don't even bother because there's always going to be new words and there's so many words that even native speakers don't know. So don't even bother. When you have a to-do list for the day, you probably want to just finish it quick and knock it out. When you say that, you know, you knocked out a task, that means you just finished it quickly and got it done. So usually in the morning, I knock out getting my bed made, I knock out unloading the dishwasher, I try to knock out the annoying things that I don't want to do later. So oftentimes in the United States, businesses will say, how did you hear about us? How did you hear to come to our store? Or how did you hear about our service? And you know, they'll say, did you hear about us on a commercial? Did you hear about us on social media? And you could say, no, just word of mouth. This means that maybe you heard someone talking about them or a friend told you about the store or about the service. So the phrase word of mouth means you didn't hear it anywhere officially or written, just someone told you. This phrase can be kind of confusing when you hear it for the first time. When someone says it's go time, it just means it's time to start. Let's get ready, let's be motivated, it's go time. And this phrase is especially used in movies, you know, when you know at the end they have a big plan, maybe they're going to do something or rescue someone and everybody's ready, they'll say, okay, it's go time, let's go. When 
you ask someone a question and you know they know the answer and you want to ask them a follow-up question it's kind of like you know you're testing their knowledge it might not be an official test it might not be a teacher saying this we say oh do you know this too bonus points if you can answer this question bonus points just means like you don't have to know this but it would be cool if you did it's really a common thing to say you know it's common in actual game shows and actual trivia competitions but we also just say it in our normal everyday conversations bonus points if you know where that was made you know it's just kind of saying this is a fun fact it's not absolutely necessary to know a funny phrase that I hear quite commonly is to say that someone had white knuckles so if someone is afraid especially if they're on a roller coaster or if they're in a fast car they might be gripping onto their seat or gripping onto their chair and they might be white knuckling so we use this as a verb it just means they're holding on very tight because they are afraid that they're going to fly off or crash in the car one thing that i really take pride in my life is a clean house. I always try to have everything clean and tidy so that, you know, it just doesn't feel cluttered or disorganized. But it's a lot of work cleaning your own house and keeping it clean. So sometimes I have to swallow my pride and I have to ask for help around the house. You know, I ask my kids to pick up after themselves. I ask my husband to help me with certain tasks. I feel like it's my pride, but you know, I have to ask for help because I can't do it all myself. And I feel like this phrase, to swallow your pride, is very common and you should also be very aware of what it means. When you're learning a language, sometimes you feel like, oh, I don't want to ask what this means. But you have to swallow your pride and ask so that you can learn the phrase or learn the new word and you can understand what's being said. But it can be kind of embarrassing or hard to ask for help sometimes. But it's important just to swallow your pride, you know, say, it's okay if I don't know and ask for help. When a situation is starting to become chaotic, you can say it's going off the rails. Think of this as a train that, you know, is about to just break, it goes off the rails. It's called derailing. But if you want to just talk about a situation in life that's starting to get chaotic or crazy, you could say this is going off the rails. When someone asks you a question like, could I use your pen in English? You can respond politely by saying yes, or of course, or certainly, or you can use this next idiom. You could say, by all means. This idiom is just used to give someone permission in a very polite way, by all means, yes, of course. So it's not, you know, it's not necessary to always say this phrase, but it's just polite and you'll hear it commonly to say, of course, yes, you can do it. You have permission. There are two types of people in this world, in my opinion. There are those that when they travel, they bring everything except for the kitchen sink. And there are those that travel light. So these are both idioms, but the idiom that I'm going to teach you is to travel light. When someone travels light, it means they only bring essential things. They don't pack too many clothes or they don't pack unnecessary things. So people who travel light, they often only have one backpack to hold when they go on an airplane. But people who bring everything on a trip, they probably have a really big suitcase, a backpack, a purse, a lot of different things. So I personally try to travel light, but it isn't always easy. This next phrase is used pretty sarcastically in English. So if you want to tell someone that they're thinking too highly of another person, you can say it's like you worship the ground that they walk on. So you're saying, you know, this person isn't that great. 
you're like worshiping, you're, you're thinking they're like a god. And of course this phrase is not literal, it's just an idiom, but it's used to say, you know, you think highly of someone. Or if you're a big fan of, let's say, Lady Gaga, you could say, I worship the ground that Lady Gaga walks on. And of course this is a very dramatic way to use the phrase, but you get the idea. In the United States, there is an actual baseball hall of fame. It's a place you can go in Cooperstown and you can go and see pictures of really great baseball players and all sorts of artifacts like baseball bats and baseballs. It's called the Hall of Fame. It's used to display the best players in the sport. So this phrase is used in other situations besides literal halls of fame. It's used to just say that something is really good or it's the best. Another phrase that's really great to use when you want to describe something that is excellent or it's the best is to say it's world-class. So in the United States, Chicago is known as a world-class city. They have some of the best restaurants, they have some of the best museums, and they have some of the best sports teams. So it's known as a world-class city. In a lot of different countries, you know, you might say we have world-class whatever it is, a certain type of food, a certain type of dessert, or a certain type of university, whatever it may be. The last few idioms in this English lesson are kind of gambling, cards, money related. The first one is to hit the jackpot. If you say that you hit the jackpot, it means that something very lucky happened to you. Something very big happened to you as well. You know, if you married someone very good, you could say, I really hit the jackpot with my wife or with my husband. If you want to say that someone is risking everything for something, you can say, they bet the house. This phrase means you use all your money to bet on something because you're pretty sure it's going to happen. A similar phrase is to say, I'm going to bank on it. And I use this phrase all the time. If you are going to go outside all day, you can say, I am banking on it being very nice weather today. That means you're pretty sure it's not going to rain. It's not going to be cloudy. You're banking on nice weather. You're very sure it's going to happen and you're relying on it. And if you want to say that something is going to probably happen, you can say, I think it's in the cards. Now, in the opposite way, you can say, this is not in the cards for today. So if someone says, hey, do you think that we can go out to dinner tonight? You could say, I'm really tired. I just don't think it's in the cards for me today. That means it's probably not going to happen. I hope that it's in the cards for you to subscribe to my channel. Make sure to download the free PDF guide that goes with this video. It will help you study all 50 of these idioms and phrases again and again, and it will give you a little quiz to make sure that you understood all the phrases in today's lesson. I'll see you guys in the next lesson. Make sure to visit englishwithkayla.com to sign up for my six-week Upgrade to Native English course. Goodbye!